Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Aberbach, CEO and Publisher. I'm Sarah Kingsbury, Senior Web Editor. And I'm Nicholas Naoti, Video Editor and Ad Specialist. We've got a big group here today because we're doing a podcast live from the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. We are going to tell you about the biggest tech trends in Vegas, and we're gonna share all of our favorite awards that we gave out because we go around and find the best iPhone and iPad and AirPods related gear at the show and bring that all to you. Just to start with a little background here, if you haven't followed Consumer Electronics Show or our previous podcast, Consumer Electronics Show is overwhelmingly large. Over 200,000 people attend now, and basically pretty much everyone in the tech industry comes to Las Vegas at this time to announce new products and demonstrate all their products that are on the market. So we have spent the last two days walking so many miles. How many miles? I, I think I'm about like eight miles a day. How about you guys? I've averaged about 10. <laughs> I feel like we didn't even see everything either. Oh yeah, not even close. After we record this today, we're gonna go walk some more too. So it's not, we're not even done. <laughs> so we've been trying to cover the show in particular to find the best, in general, the biggest trends, but also the best iPhone products. And we've got some awards to announce. Yes. So first, David's gonna tell us about our sponsor. Then we're going to tell you about the biggest trends. Yeah, so today's sponsor is Jamf, J-A-M-F. And Jamf has a really great product for enterprise and for small businesses who have iPhones for their employees. And what it is, it's a software that makes it really easy to set up devices. You can automatically load your Wi-Fi preferences for the employees. You can load the email setup. You can load any custom apps that you have. It makes it easy to manage these devices. Uh, and it keeps these devices secure. Uh, it's also very affordable software, so if you are somebody who has iPhones for employees, make sure you check it out. Go to jamfnow.com slash iPhone life. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the biggest trends at the show. Well, David, why don't you get us started? Yeah, well, I think the biggest trend for me was almost a lack of a trend, which is that this year felt notable in kind of the lack of innovation here. Um, you know, and How we, exciting, David. I know. <laughs> Stay tuned for more. <laughs> and we found a lot of great products. But uh, in previous years, when I started coming to this show, uh, Apple used to attend, Microsoft used to attend, and they've slowly kind of dropped out. Um, and there still are a lot of huge companies that come here, like Sennheiser and Sony. And there LG are and LG. Samsung. Samsung. Yeah. yeah, and there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of great products. But it felt like this year there wasn't like any breakthrough products to hang your hat on that says mm -hmm. this year is the year of X. And a lot of usually in past years, I felt like there were those breakthrough products that everybody in the show was excited about. And this year, there's a lot of great products. I'm excited to tell you about them, but there wasn't like a big picture like breakthrough. And Donna, I think you had a thought on why that was, right? Well, yeah, I think a lot of the big tech companies are getting ready to for the rollout of 5G, the 5G network in big cities. And so whether they're actually involved with developing that or they are developing products that will be useful with 5G, that means it's not really ready to show here. And there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of like signs involving 5G on the central show floor that we looked at yesterday, but um, nothing really quite ready. But there are a lot of like connected products, like the, the Internet of Things, which apparently 5G is going to make a lot faster and a lot smarter and pro like products be able to communicate with each other more easily. <clears throat> but yeah, I think like some examples of past years where there were new trends that were exciting that now are not, like driverless cars, that's still something that hasn't really been rolled out. And there were some yesterday, but it doesn't feel like that's been moved that much further either. It's like, yeah. yes, driverless cars are a thing, and probably in the next 10 to 15 years, it's gonna be something that like is very normal, but it doesn't. It's, it wasn't like there was a huge breakthrough in driverless cars this yeah, year. Sure. Yeah. Um, same with smart home, like that's something that, I mean, now is, well, actually, I feel like smart home has hit more of like a 
place where it's more useful than it used to be. So that's cool. Yeah, to me, actually, smart home was something that I don't think there, I agree with you, there wasn't really a breakthrough product for smart home. But to mm -hmm. me, this was the year where smart home felt like it was finally going to be coming to the masses. Like yeah. I've written about smart home every year for the past few years. And I always start my articles with a disclaimer that this stuff's really expensive. It's really a pain to set up. Mm -hmm. It's kind of more for enthusiasts than it is for the everyday consumer. And this year, walking around the show floor, so many people had smart home products and they all seem like they're getting more affordable, easier to set up and manage. Uh, and so I am excited about that trend that I do feel like in, in the coming few years and this year in particular, that it's going to start being something that most people have in their homes as opposed to something that like only the tech geeks of the world have in their homes. Sure, yeah. one of the cool ones we saw, Bosch made a fridge that takes a photograph of everything inside of your fridge and then you can kind of use an app to get recipes for that, which would be really useful while you're at the grocery store like shopping. You can know mm -hmm. what's in your fridge. Yeah, the app that it connected with was called Shuffling uh, and it's something that usually people just use, they use a barcode scanner to scan everything after the store, but to me that's an extra step I wouldn't do just because yeah. that's a lot of work. Yeah. But yeah. with the fridge it'll tell you, it takes a photo or yeah, footage of what's in your fridge and it can recognize, it seemed very accurate, Yeah, <clears throat> all of the items in your fridge. It can even tell you when they're expiring based on crowdsourced data of like how long a tomato usually lasts in someone else's fridge or whatever. Mm, and so that was pretty cool. Um, and it'll, I, I was curious where they get the recipes from and if the <laughs> recipes are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and it was cool. And it then can go connect if you choose a recipe, if you have the Bosch oven, then it can start preheating your oven for that specific recipe. Um, Sarah has feelings about this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that that would be really cool for someone who follows recipes. <laughs> but I usually, like anytime I'm cooking something, it's usually a combination of several recipes and I may have decided that I'm going to bake it at a different temperature and all those things. And I wonder how much room there is for like manual adjustments. Sure. Um, but I also felt like I'd already given the smart lawnmower guy a hard time and I was <laughs> refrain from giving the fridge guy a hard time. <laughs> I know, Sarah had all the hard questions, but Sarah's a really, like, you're, that's a, a good question with a lot of these things. Like, does it actually work in real life scenarios? And you're more of a home chef than I am, so I, I think those are good questions to ask. I think the real life scenario I'm excited about for the smart kitchens, and they've had this for a number of years now, is the cameras inside the refrigerator so that when I am in the grocery store, I can check to see if I have something in the refrigerator. Yeah. So that would be really convenient. Yeah. Nicholas, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. This is Nicholas's first CS. Yeah. Uh, Donna, Sarah, and I are a little bit jaded at this point in case it didn't come across. Was it, <laughs> what are your thoughts on CES so far? Um, it's been really fun. It's it's kind of overwhelming. It's everywhere you look, there's stuff. There's screens <laughs> and stuff and people everywhere. So many people. But it's been cool to see the trends. I mean, photo, foldable screens we saw this year, which is interesting. I don't know how practical it is, but we saw like a TV that rolls up mm -hmm. into like a mm -hmm. box, which is pretty cool. Like you could keep your, your living room a little neater that way. Um, we saw a ton of wireless charging stations. Mm -hmm. um, that seems to be a huge trend. Uh, AirPod type sort of like... Wireless well, earpods. True wireless, yeah. yeah, true wireless earbuds. It's been good though. It's been interesting. <laughs> it's wild. I do think one of the things in actually attending the show that tends to kind of jump out at people, when you read about the show online, you see only the highlights. And when you're here, there's so many of the booths that just have junk. Like stuff that like they don't care about, that they're just sort of trying to like make a few bucks on. And you, you kind of have to spend some time parsing through to find the real things. And I think that's why some, we kind of can sound a little jaded by it, is there are a lot of booths here that don't have anything cool at all, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Sarah, how about you? What are your thoughts from CES? I, I feel like you guys kind of summed it up. There's not like, any like huge surprising things um i feel like as far as cases and like airpod cases and ipad cases like they're all just kind of like the winners of that competition have kind of like settled into it and like people buy those and then there's all the knockoffs you know and and so there's not like anything really exciting in that regard 
I do feel like, yeah, as far as iPhone and iPad trends in our little niche industry here, I think you guys both hit hit the nail on the head. Number one, the lack of cases was pretty shocking. There's so few cases out there that are, I mean, there's a lot of cases out there, but there's so few companies coming out with breakthrough new cases. You know, everybody just has their lineup and that's that. The other thing is uh, a couple trends from previous years were like, speakers and headphones and this year there were the wireless earbuds but there weren't a ton of speakers or headphones really out there and everybody went so all in on the wireless charging like every booth we went to has wireless charging mm-hmm. yeah yeah a, cute, a few other <clears throat> cool products i just wanted to mention before we get into some of our awards is like the foldable phone i think it was the samsung fold something i can't remember what the exact product name was, but Nicholas just mentioned these foldable screens. And in previous years, we had seen from LG already bendable smart TVs that, and I think that's really nice for a living room where you don't want the TV to be the centerpiece. Mm -hmm. You can roll it away, and then when you want to watch something, it comes up, and these 8K screens were really gorgeous. Like, we went and walked around, and the amount of detail you can see is incredible. Although we were saying it's a little hard to tell how much is the TV and what setting and how much is like the settings they've used on these TVs because I feel right. like they really turn up the saturation and uh, have like almost CGI type nature scenes that you don't know. Yeah, it's like is that even real what I'm looking at? But it still was really cool. I will uh, say though, it was cool, and I love TVs. I'm not gonna lie, I love seeing all the new breakthrough in TVs. Mm-hmm. When I first saw 4K when it was announced at this show, I saw it and, I, and my thought was this is going to change the world. Like everybody's going to have 4K because it was so, the resolution was so it's much incredible. better yeah. than a standard TV. When I look at 8K, I have a hard time telling between what's 8K and what's 4K. It is yeah. better. I yeah. have these booths that you have to have a TV of a certain size. I think it was bigger than 60 inches or something mm. in order for 8K to be visually any different. Oh, mm. wow. So it's yeah. like you have to have a huge TV for 8K to be worth it and that made sense to me one interesting thing about those super high-res tvs is that like the stuff doesn't actually look real anymore it almost like you're almost like is this animated because it's so just like the colors are just so intense and the details are just so intense and then you're like yeah. is this real well like, it, hyper real it's funny because i i was telling these guys when we were looking at the lg booth i eventually like I said, I love TVs. I got inspired and I went and bought a 4K OLED TV eventually because I loved it. And the first thing I did when I got it was to go into the settings and turn off every one of those settings that makes all the contrast, all the colors look so crazy. It looks really cool on a show floor. It is interesting. I actually, and the experts like all recommend turning that off if you actually want to watch the TV. It's almost really like watching TV on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I, know. I mean, I'm guessing. It's like I'm guessing that that's what it would be like. <laughs> um, did you, do you still, is there like a lot of content that is 4K supported? I don't have a 4K TV. Yeah, there is. I, I bought an, a 4K Apple TV and most of what I'm streaming is 4K at this point because Netflix has really gone all in in 4K. Disney Plus has a lot of 4K content. So I, at least half or if not more of the content I watch is 4K. Cool. And yeah. you notice, still notice a big difference? Yeah, I do. I really enjoy it when it's 4K. So this foldable screen, I just want yeah, to explain got, a little bit more. Huh. So it's a smartphone that if you unfold it, it's basically like a tablet-sized kind of square-shaped screen, and you can watch like movies and stuff on it. And then if you shut it, there's a little screen on the front that makes it seem more like a regular smartphone that you're used to seeing these days. And we went and played around with it for a while, and we were kind of skeptical. We thought like when you unfolded it, you would see the crease down the middle all the time. Mm-hmm. And from far away, you sort of could see that there was a crease in the middle, but it was surprisingly like a good viewing experience, I thought. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Apple jumps on the foldable screen thing. I kind of don't think they will. Uh, yeah, there's something inelegant about it. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's like I feel like a lot of these companies, Android companies, will do phones that are, it, it seems more like a novelty or something, and I feel like Apple's not going to do a novelty product. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of Apple, are, are you finished talking yeah. about the TVs? Um, one sort of trend I noticed, I felt like a lot more people were having, like, Apple-exclusive versions of their products. Yeah. Um, that seemed new, and it's like, I don't know if Apple's decided to just kind of try and control the accessories more but give us more options, because, like, historically I've found the 
options available on Apple's site. Not as awesome, um, but it is annoying because they're all like, yes, and then we have this white Apple exclusive version. So Apple's like, we're going to control the accessories to the point where you don't actually get colors. But <laughs> <laughs> To get back to the foldable screens for a minute, I feel like I was, I both loved the foldable screen and that it was one of the few things here that felt truly innovative and I yeah. hadn't seen it before. Created something out of the box and new and kind of experimental and I would love to see more of the tech industry doing that as opposed to playing it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, in this iteration at least, it felt like something I, it, like when it was folded up, it was pretty heavy and clunky. Yeah. And when it was unfolded, it was this kind of weird square shape that like, I, I didn't I didn't love it, but I love that they did it. <laughs> yeah. David, I don't know if you saw LG had a similar product that was like a dual screen, uh-huh. and it was enormous though. I think the Sarah Nicholas and I saw it, and it was you opened it up like a little like book, Are and you then you the had phone? yeah, and yeah, so you had crazy. a screen on either side, and then so you can. It's like having a dual display monitor. Yeah. It was like two iPhones connected by a hinge or something. Whoa. Yeah, and but it's like it, you couldn't even like fit it in your pocket. Screen, <laughs> but it wasn't removable. Yeah, you couldn't no. be like I don't want a second screen. I and so you're stuck with this incredibly clunky phone. Oh yeah. No, it's not removable. Yeah, yeah and we I, saw. A, a I dual accidentally screen. almost removed it, but <laughs> <laughs> we saw a couple other products that had dual screen things like that at some of the smaller evening shows we went to and. All of them felt kind of inelegant at this point, but it seems to be something that companies are experimenting with right now that's a trend. And maybe, I mean, I guess I don't feel the need to have more screen real estate with my phone, but yeah, that it was, would allow more productivity, I suppose. Maybe. That was a trend we saw, multiple screens. They showed like think you could do things like be playing a movie and then on your other screen be looking up the actors in IMDb, or you could be texting a friend while you're watching something. So basically having an iPad, because you do all those things on an iPad, right? I know. But in your pocket, because it folds. Um, (laughs) I think you have to have big pockets. (laughs) I think we've covered a lot of the big trends. We did see some cool driverless cars. Like Sony came Uh out with a driverless car, and that was the one that I thought looked the coolest. Like it looked like a cooler Tesla to me. Well, and Sony is interesting, because we talked to them, and they didn't, it sounded like Sony is not necessarily planning on getting into the automated car space. It was more that they brought this car out there to make a point and let the industry know that all of the sensors that are being used in self-driving cars, Sony is making. And I I was interested by that because I had no idea that that was the case. Hmm. Um, But yeah, it was fun seeing that. And I'm so excited about self-driving cars in general. Nicholas, tell us about the weird, we saw it was like an LG product, I think. The LG Think with a Q. (laughs) Um, They had a Think line and one of the, they had a driverless car as part of it. Yeah, LG and I think maybe Samsung also had these weird kind of clunky, like shuttly self-driving cars that look, I don't know, they look like the Scion or whatever the car is that kind of looks like a toaster, Um, (laughs) but like bigger and bulkier and it's a really weird design. It's not sleek at all, but I think they're designed to be like shuttles for people that where there's not a self-driving Lyft or Uber. Sure. Sure. Like a small bus. But that was interesting. Or we could just invest in the infrastructure mm. for like public transportation. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> I was going to throw that in there. But yeah, the, the chairs actually looked kind of like public transportation. It looks almost like an airplane seat. And you can like take, get a, what was the thing with the Sprite? Oh, yeah. There was a guy giving a huge demo of it. And he was like, um, look what happens when I pull out a Sprite from the console. It automatically charges me two dollars. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> everyone's like, yay! <laughs> okay, there, dude. But it seemed like there, you know, you'd have your little entertainment system in there. There was like a TV you could watch and choose what you're watching. You could like get a beverage and chill. And I guess it would all probably charge to your Apple Pay or something. I guess no, this is yeah, Android, know. so I don't know how it would work. <laughs> But okay, I think we've talked enough about trends. We should talk about some of the craziest stuff we saw before we oh, go any man. further. Yeah. Well, another t- before we move on, another trend that we saw that that sort of became an inside joke was audio that you can hear the way the artist intended. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we heard that 
line repeated like every booth we went to that every, had audio products. Yeah, every booth. Every headphones. Uh-huh. You could hear it the way the artist intended. And can, can Nicholas explain to us what that means. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were we were speculating that it was a little bit of a reaction to the Beats by Dre phenomenon. Because Beats by Dre, that when those headphones came out, they took the bass and they really turned it up and so it's a it's kind of a distorted way of listening to sound mm-hmm. which some people like especially if you like, like hip-hop it. i yeah. like yeah sure. uh, i'm i hate it like mm-hmm. i i actually am such a sucker for that line audio the way the artist intended like i want to i like i want to like the pure version of it but like i think it was a little bit of a reaction to that trend to say no now we're actually having a balanced sound but it sounds sure. much better to say the way the artist intended sure. yeah and i think yeah i think it's a good thing that we're moving toward more flat EQ, uh-huh. uh, that's like, that is a good thing that that's something people are wanting. But you know, like increasing the bass response is, has its place. Mm-hmm. Beats by Dre sound good and like for hip hop and stuff. Well, we had a demo yesterday of these Sony headphones that now they like take photos of your ears to deliver what they call um, 360 degree sound that's tailored to you and so we had a demo that had like the before and after and I noticed in the before the bass was higher and to me the sound it just sounded more like full and then when they switched to the way the artist intended with a 360 degree sound (laughs) it felt much more like you were in the room with a band but it was like they turned the bass was down and it was like it was cool though because I thought felt like you could it seemed like the instruments were coming from different places the voice was coming from somewhere and it felt much more like you were in a concert Mm-hmm. Um, did you? I, who else tried it? Sarah, I tried it. Yeah. What did you think? I I I agree with what you just said. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, the difference between the bass was very noticeable, and I kind of wondered, like, did they, you know, like up the bass like originally in the first song because they played us the same song, but just Marvin Gaye sexual healing. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I don't remember it being that high. Um, it's been a while since I listened to that song, just on my own. <laughs> but but yeah, I I enjoyed both experiences a lot actually. Um, I feel like I was like, where'd the bass go? Which was not what the guy wanted <laughs> yeah. to hear. Okay, so what were um, some of the kind of just most out there products that you guys saw? Okay, the one that like I thought was the stupidest. I mean, there were like several, but it was the toilet paper robot, <laughs> the so, Charmin toilet paper so robot. So Charmin has this robot that. If you're on the toilet and you realize you don't have toilet paper, they're definitely acknowledging that people bring their phones to the toilet. <laughs> you can, like, text this robot and it will bring you a roll of toilet paper, which I don't know because you'd have to unlock and open the door, I'm assuming. Or <laughs> yeah, we... true. And then, and then it was like, <laughs> Donna was like, well, would it go and get the toilet paper? And they're like, no, you have to have already loaded it on it. And I'm just like, you could, or you could just keep toilet paper like within reach of your toilet. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. That just seems <laughs> way generic. less expensive and actually easier. Like, yeah. why not restock the toilet paper where it belongs instead of onto the robot? Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So yeah. In my bath, I, my house has two bathrooms. One's upstairs, one's downstairs. Like, does a robot handle the stairs? Do I have to have two robots oh, God. just for toilet paper? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another really funny kind of silly one was the suitcase that sort of follows you. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. It yeah. works really hard to try to follow you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like luggage that you could ostensibly not have to carry with your hand, but then you're like having to watch it and make sure it's still behind you. And it was the, the following technology was not great. It was like becoming disconnected kind of often. And it was like zigzagging around <laughs> behind the person. Yeah. Like, like it had like obstacle detection but like I don't know how much that really takes into account that obstacles that are people tend to try and stop being obstacles and move and so then there's that zigzagging around each other thing and, and it was a crowded show and yeah. so it kept getting in people's way you'd all of a sudden just be walking and there'd just be like a suitcase in front of you and somebody <laughs> walking next to you trying to get the suitcase to follow it it was yeah. really bizarre I remember we were looking at some product and I feel like the the suitcase just by itself like <laughs> rolled in between us. Yeah. And there was some really angry man like trying to explain to the them that TSA it was a, it would be like the fastest way to get TSA to stop you was having unattended baggage yeah. following you around in the airport. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah it, that I didn't agree with. It felt like I, mostly I attended felt baggage. Like that man had an agenda which was to really hate that suitcase. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I saw him trolling on a couple other 
booths too, just giving them a hard time. Uh, another product that was crazy was was very weird was um, this uh, cooler that was supposed to be like a hoverboard, <laughs> but the battery took up so much space that it could only fit maybe like three or four beers in there. I and think then, he said a dozen. Okay, because but it was like probably only a third of the cooler was available. And then yeah. the rest of it was for the hoverboard, and it looked extremely dangerous because <laughs> it was a motorized thing you'd like balance on a hover on a top of a cooler on top of one wheel, and it showed this demo of the, or a video of this guy like flying down a highway on it. <laughs> yeah, we the really... live demo was just the guy he like sat on the cooler, <laughs> and I was like, if I were ten, I'd be so into that. <laughs> yeah, we really needed that. We really needed to create that object. Mm -hmm. I think one of the weirdest ones I saw was by Bic, and they had these razors. And the razors had like AI and sensors in it to basically like track every single like razor blade stroke you made on your face. Mm -hmm. Also the humidity in the room and like a whole bunch of other factors, but it didn't sound like they were gonna do anything with that information except give it to Bic to then analyze and try to make better razors, I guess, which was like, why am I paying to get this razor so that Bic can like stock my shaving habits? Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah, such a yeah. bad sell. Uh, yeah, why do you need to? I mean, we don't. That's just I don't know why. It we was a little. That. I was confused by them because they just accosted us and like basically like forced me to take a a pen and a temporary tattoo pen and a razor. Um, like there was just no choice about it. Donna got out of it because they trapped me. Um, but she didn't get out oh, of the temporary tattoos. Yeah, we both have temporary <laughs> tattoos now, so thanks, Vic. I yeah. want to talk quickly about also the difference between tech made by women for women and just tech for women. We don't need to call out any specific companies necessarily, but it was really cool to see Willow. It's a smart breast pump, and that was created by women uh, and it's something that will seems like it would really help solve problems. How did it work? It uh, it worked via Bluetooth, I believe, and it was something that didn't. It just like fit in under a regular bra, and so you could be brump, pumping breast milk while you're like right. the running a marathon. Breast or pumps yeah. were like these like really big, very noisy contraptions. You had to like carry the little unit, and then there were like tubes and like suction things and it was just like really uncomfortable and there's no way you could ever be discreet about it and Mm. so and then you know this does things to maximize your output which is actually really important it's not as easy to produce as much milk if you're pumping versus breastfeeding Mm. um and so it's a big deal because it takes all this time and it's kind of a burden for the person who's pumping and so i really appreciated that it would have been great 20 years ago. Yeah, and the app did cool things too. Like you could set a schedule of how often you are using the pump and get reminders and things like that <clears throat> and track your output. Um, because I, I feel like I don't have any kids, but I feel like talking to other women, even just keeping tra- track of a schedule can be pretty burdensome. Like some people are, if they have low output, are trying to nurse like on every hour on the hour and having a uh, smart technology that could help you with that I think is really cool on the other hand so that was really cool in contrast we saw other things where it would just be a regular product with that was like bejeweled and then they'd be like see like we're trying to get more women to buy our products and it's like (laughs) there was one company in particular that was that, that was extreme in this where they literally just explicitly were like well our audience tends to be male so we're trying to get more female in uh, female customers so we added fake crystals. <laughs> and it just looked so hideous and was so clearly just like not well thought out. Yeah. I mean, and I think that kind of thinking really speaks to the actual structure within a company because if you had women who were able to offer input on those kinds of things, I think you wouldn't have that type of product happening. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. true. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into the Best of CES Awards let's from do iPhone it. Life. Uh, Just a disclaimer, as we're pulling these up, we give away 20 to 30 awards. Actually, we're still covering the show today, and we'll give a few more away. So we will have a full list of all of the winners on our website coming soon. Uh, And so make sure you check that out, because we're just going to cover some of the highlights today. Uh, But for a full list, make sure to stay tuned. When, When can they expect that, Sarah? I don't know. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm going to work on it today, but I'm kind of relying on people getting me like press kits and photos and then I have to send it to our art director to So maybe sometime next week? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. So, um the first product we want to talk about is Hatch and that is who wants to talk about it? I love this thing. So specifically, it's Restore. That's the name of the product. Oh, Oh, Hatch is the company. and It's called Hatch, which is for like... For babies. Training your kids to go to bed. Mm. This one was called Restore, and it's for grown-ups. I don't really know. It's it's hard to put it in a product category because it did a lot of different things, but it is a smart alarm clock. It also is a white noise maker. It is similar to a sad lamp for seasonal disorder. It doesn't have quite the same level of light but it does that also so it is you can set it on a light routine to help wake you up and to help give you some of that um like boost that you need in the winter and what else did it do it did a lot it can can help you sort of set up a bedtime routine like turn on a reading light for like half an hour before i go to sleep if i wake up during the night you can choose for it to like take you through a guided meditation um but you don't really have to interact with it a lot after you set it up. It was mm-hmm. one thing that seemed to me, which I think is kind of cool. I don't, I don't like technology that makes me work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's you sleep best when you're on a routine, and it, it can wake you up like by kind of slowly increasing the light, and then sort of start making some kind of like gentle sounds, and then more of an alarm sound when you like really need to get up. And that, mm-hmm. I think that just seems like a really cool product. And it was you customize it through an iPhone app, but it's actually meant it's set up to be once you've set it up to not have your phone in the room because she the woman who created it was saying that it's not ideal to be using your phone at night. And a lot of times, even if you're going to check the time on your phone, you're like, oh, someone texted me. Suddenly I'm on Instagram in the middle of the night. Sure. Uh, And so I thought that was cool. She had set up a thing on there, too, where if you wake up in the middle of the night, you can like tap it and it would take you through like a quick guided meditation to help you fall back asleep, like things like that. Yeah. Uh, one thing we, in our determination of who to give awards to, we were like, if it's a product all of us want for ourselves, it's probably a good sign. And this was one all of us were like wanting. Yeah, yeah. definitely. To try. Um, so next one, and I'll tell you guys about this one. This was the Skosh Base Links. Uh, and like we said, one of the themes of the show in general was wireless charging. So we saw a lot of wireless chargers, and people in general, I felt like, did a good job making them look sleek. There are a lot of Most of the wireless chargers were three-in-one, so it was in, uh, a, a puck for your Apple Watch, a little charging area for your AirPods, and uh, a traditional little charging mat for your iPhone. The thing, though, that made this one stand out was that it was modular. So everybody has a different range of products that they want to charge. And if you happen to have all three of those products and only all three of those products, then the three-in-one solution is perfect for you. But most people either don't have all three of those products or they have more than that. And so what uh, the, what Skosh did was create a modular solution where you basically buy little sections. So you buy each of the charging sections individually and then you can connect them. Um, so for me, on my nightstand, you know, I have an Apple Watch, but my partner has an Apple Watch. And I also have a Kindle that I want to charge sometimes. And so there's always some mess of cables everywhere, and yet a three-in-one doesn't really solve that for me. So I was really excited for this, for the ability to customize mm-hmm. what the layout is in my charging. Because it really, it's one of those little challenges in life that like everybody deals with, that we all have so many electronics that it's such a mess of cables on our nightstand or wherever we charge, and it looks ugly, and it's hard to really get to a place where it's both useful and doesn't look terrible, and yeah. I felt like this solved that. Yeah, it was really sleek. The modules looked cool. Mm-hmm. It's neat. You can kind of build your own setup based on what products you have. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it's good, too, acknowledging that there are a lot of different Apple devices at this point, and everybody has their own different collection, because other times where there's charging stations that's not built for your exact setup, it that's not that useful, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next product is the Belkin Soundform Elite. This is the one that Nicholas was really wild about. Yeah, I was really in love with this. It's a <clears throat> uh, Bluetooth speaker and charging station for your phone. Um, but it has 
woofers on each side of it and they the frequencies sort of cancel each other out so you can get a really loud volume but without the station kind of like rattling there's no vibration and that's it, it just sounded so good too i'm really really hoping to get one of these it's this was a belkin made this product and belkin uh it, their sister company is dvla who did the sound for them and i used to have a dvla speaker dvla speakers are typically like two to three thousand dollars and they use the same technology for bass which is instead of having a traditional woofer it it's like they called implosion technology where literally you can see the speaker like move in and out to make the bass sound but as uh, a it sounds really crisp in a, in a way that it's hard to do with a traditional woofer especially on a speaker of that size uh, but b as nicholas was saying it doesn't rattle which is particularly important if you're putting a phone on top to charge and it was rare that i saw a speaker that had a phone charging on top first of all i didn't see it at all but like Usually when I do, I don't think I like am interested in that. But they pulled it off in a way that seemed like it'd be really useful, and also the speaker sounded great. Yeah, yeah it's the the main place I've seen wireless charging with speakers is like alarm clock. Yeah, speakers. Yeah, it was a sleek design. Looked really good. It had, sounded amazing. It has Google Assistant right now, but um, Alexa and AirPlay two are coming later in the summer. Yeah. So what was that's the exciting. price on that? Uh, I think it was two ninety nine, and it comes out in March. And then they had like a real a mini version <clears throat> that was like forty nine too, so that's nice. That was a wireless charger, wireless speaker combo I, too. I two thoughts. First of all, <clears throat> I was personally less impressed by the mini version because the thing that was so great about the one we gave the word to was it sounded so great. Whereas it the did. mini version was particularly bad sound in my opinion. Mm. Um, also, my recommendation if you all are interested in this particular product. I would wait until, well, it might be a software update, in which case you could probably buy it in March, but I think having it with AirPlay is really important, and I would make sure that when you buy this speaker, if you're interested, wait until you know that it's AirPlay compatible, because that's really an awesome feature for iPhone users. It really, My impression was that it wasn't a software update. I agree. That they that it was, they're coming out with new ones in the summer. Yeah, so that would be my, if you are interested in this product, to wait for that. What do we have next? STN. Okay. Charge tree. So this was the second. We gave a few of charge. We we went through and tried to really find unique charging solutions because there were so many that weren't unique. And what we loved about this one was it had a different layout. Most of them were a flat mat where you could fit all three things. The problem and they with would that, take up a lot of space. They take yeah. up a lot of space, and so. A lot of people like to keep their phone in, right next to them on their nightstand, but usually you don't have a lot of room on your nightstand. In general, we don't have a lot of room on tables and desks and nightstands where we charge. So mm-hmm. this one was vertical, which was really nice because it still was a three-in-one. It had a space for an AirPod. It had space for an iPhone, or you could do two iPhones if you wanted. Uh, and being vertical, you could have your iPhone vertical in charging which is nice so you can actually see the screen if you want to some people like to like see the notifications that come in while charging uh and it had a space for the apple watch of course but the main thing we liked was the layout meant you could put it in a smaller space where you normally wouldn't have a charging mat and it looked really nice yeah kind of everywhere we went at ces we saw these charging mats and they were just kind of this lump this like (laughs) wide lump uh, and this, we were really struck by the aesthetic of it and the space efficiency. I also, this is not unique to this product, but it's something I've noticed. They finally are moving away from the bring your own puck thing for yeah. Apple Watch. Yeah. yeah. Which was so annoying because it's like, buy this expensive product, but also supply your own charger for it. My yeah, underst- you have to like, snake it through. And- <laughs> My understanding was that wasn't really by choice. It was that there weren't any MFI certified third-party pucks. And so they, like, there was no way to have a charger for an Apple Watch that wasn't buying a cable from Apple. Mm-hmm. Whereas now they have that solution, which is why they can do it. But I agree, I hated the snaking the Apple cable through on this expensive dock. And the fact that you don't have to do that anymore <laughs> is like... Some assembly required. Makes me want to dock so much more. Next, we'll tell you about the Bridge Pro Plus. Bridge makes Bluetooth wireless keyboards for the iPad. And they had a development that was very exciting. Why don't you guys tell us about it? Nicholas and David are the ones who got especially excited because they both have iPad Pros. 
Um, I was excited about this one. So I just wrote about iPad gear in the um, buyer's guide, and Bridge was my favorite wireless keyboard by far. And they added a mouse to it, which Woo, uh, a, trackpad. a trackpad. Thank you. And what's cool about that is, if for those of you who don't know, in the accessibility settings in your iPad, they in now iPad OS thirteen in iPad OS thirteen they now have uh, mouse functionality, uh, and it actually works pretty well. And so I was really excited that somebody actually built a trackpad into an iPad keyboard because it allows you to actually pretty easily use a mouse in a in an iPad, which I hadn't done very much. And also, like, if I'm traveling, I'm not going to carry a mouse with me just for an iPad. So having it built into the uh, keyboard was really nice. Yeah, it was really cool. And it they come in, like, space gray in the Apple colors. They fit neatly with your iPad so that the iPad kind of swivels open like a screen and it feels like you have a little MacBook. It mm-hmm. just looks yeah. and feels yeah. really good. And it has a magnetic case that sticks to the back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it also, yeah, I think this is one of the glaring absence. Like for a long time we've talked about the iPad and how it's really hard to use it as a laptop replacement and this definitely helps bridge that gap bridge that gap a (laughs) little bit um it but i will say having played with it i was excited about it but i also think it's still really limited to the mobile os that runs on the ipad like it's not it's like navigating around still just isn't the same as on a laptop and you're kind of expecting it even more because it looks like a little laptop true so i will say that and you have to customize it like you know clicking twice on the trackpad to take you back to the home screen and like little things like that that you have to set up on your own and it's going to work a little differently than when you're actually using a laptop. So in some ways, I I feel like it's a great product, but if you are buying it thinking it's going to make your iPad a laptop, it's not going to. And they they were actually like a little bit apologetic about it, which was funny because they just, it obviously has nothing to do with Bridge. It's just Apple's operating system. Apple's very much just experimenting with the mouse and they're claiming it's just for accessibility. But I do think that it was actually more useful than I expected. There are some mouse shortcuts, which I didn't know, and gestures you can do. But also, I, I'm guessing that with iPadOS 14, that they will have a full mouse or coming soon. So this is definitely future-proofing your keyboard as well. You know, I actually feel like this is one of the products, because like we said, there wasn't like a huge amount of innovation, especially for the iPhone and iPad stuff, Mm -hmm. just a lot of chargers. This is one of the products that actually was like doing something exciting and new. Yeah, Yeah, I I was really impressed with it. It feels really good. It looks really good. It it hit the sweet spot of being something that we all wanted and was exciting and new and innovative. And that cost $200 for the 11-inch Pro and $229, I believe, for the 12.9-inch. Um, once we have the blog post up, I'll add that to the podcast notes if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast. Next, we have the Moen Flow. Sarah, do you want to tell about that? Um, the Moen Flow is a smart faucet that basically lets you request a specific amount of water at a specific temperature, which if you have ever baked bread is a really awesome thing, especially if you actually don't want to touch the faucet because, you know, you're in the middle of baking. Um, (laughs) But also you can use it for things like preparing baby bottles or you just want, like, water at a certain temperature to drink or... It was so cool. So you just be like, you know, Alexa, I'd like two glasses of... or, like, two cups of water at 101 degrees, and then it just dispenses it. I have a friend who has the low-tech version of this where basically they just have hot water on tap and you just like like you would purified water it's like the perfect temperature for tea and I'm so jealous of that and I would Mm. use this all the time just to have like because you kind of I mean some teas you want boiling water to steep but a lot of the like herbal teas you just kind of want like pretty warm water and having it instantly available to you at the exact temperature you want is awesome. Yeah. Next, we have the Nicholas Award. We kind of unofficially let each of us choose a product that we loved the most. And and explicitly, because we obviously all choose all of these, this is a product that we loved, but we couldn't quite just, or had a hard time giving an uh, a traditional Best of CS award too, because either some of us hated it or it was just one particular product that we were really excited about. Yeah, so this was, I'm a telescope owner, and when I get out my telescope at parties, it takes me like... So you're that guy. I am that guy. I 
am that guy. Uh, when I'm partying, I like to get out the telescope. Um, anyway, when I get it out, it's I'm sort of an amateur with it, and it takes me like 45 minutes to find anything. Once I can find like Jupiter or Saturn, it's so awesome and so exciting and so rewarding, but it's really hard to find it. And it's really hard to keep it in the viewfinder because the Earth moves really fast, actually, weirdly. Um, but <laughs> Strange. The, yeah. The, so this is the Celestron Star Sense Explorer series, I think is what it's called. It sounds straight up Star Trek, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, which I love. Yeah. Um, Star Trek's pretty cool. The Star Sense... Explorer, uh, yeah. Yeah, the the Celestron Star Sense Explorer. It says they they have two telescopes that have an iPhone mount, and you get their app. It's free. You calibrate your app with the telescope itself, and that only takes a couple minutes. They showed me how it works, and then you can like immediately be finding celestial bodies in the sky. Uh, you could be looking at things in minutes. And the, the telescopes seem to be pretty high quality as well, and they're reasonably priced for telescopes. It was surprisingly affordable. I it was agree. like 169 for the uh, smaller telescope. And yeah. And like, what was it? It was in the, the 200s for the... The other one? one it was the, like 400. The bigger one was 399. Oh, okay. Um, but they're really high quality telescopes, and this solves a huge problem for, for astronomy. One of the things in coming to this show that is always interesting is that you cut you see all these brands and it's very easy to tell the companies that are really passionate about what they do and are really working hard to create the best product and feel proud of it and mm -hmm. the companies that aren't and they're just sort of trying to make some money importing some cheap chinese stuff and putting a, a brand name on it and these guys were so passionate. It was like they were so excited about this product they made. You could tell they loved yeah. it and used it every day. One yeah, cool thing about cool. it too is so it in the mount it has a um the way that you tell where you are is it has a little mirror that you like open up the camera on your through the app and it can see the sky and will like have pattern recognition and even if they're if it's kind of overcast as long as it's not totally overcast it can tell exactly where you are and then based on your location and um the I think it was based on your location, date, and time, and the telescope size you have. It'll give you recommendations for your like tonight's viewings yeah. through the app, and so you can be like, "Oh, cool!" Like, see what you can see well from where exactly you are. And I thought that was really nice too. Yeah, as someone cool. like, and if I changes. were using it, I would have no idea where to get started. So it's nice that it kind of like has suggestions for you, and then we'll tell you how to get there. Yeah, and it changes through the night. And what I thought was really creative about this is they're using the camera on the iPhone. Mm -hmm. Most of the astronomy apps you would find use like the gyroscopes in there. And those aren't exactly accurate, especially when you're talking about the kind of magnification needed for a telescope. Sarah, tell us about the Nuvana Zen. This was not the Sarah Award, but she understood how it works the best, so she's going to tell us. <laughs> so, um, if you've ever heard of the vagus nerve, um, vagus nerve stimulation um, basically is used for treating things like anxiety and depression or... Um, you know, how it's supposed to help you sleep. Um, and so I have tried things like this in the past. I had some sort of like VR helmet with like weird little pads you put on your temple. You got them like wet and put them on your temple. And like there's this weird pulsing light and I ended up getting like a migraine. Um, so this is actually like a much Yay. more, yeah. So that that's ones I've used in the past. This one um, is more like a pair of earbuds and you still have to like, wet them a little bit so that you know otherwise you don't have any like conduction um but it will stimulate your vagus nerve and i think you can walk through like meditations and stuff like that and so for some people this is like incredibly helpful i don't know if it's this particular product would be like say medical level um but as a sort of stress relief uh product I think it's very cool and I really appreciate that they've taken the massive amount of bulkiness out of it mm -hmm. so yeah, it, super lightweight it goes in your ear it's just it looks like a pair of like earbuds but it's yeah. it's helpful and it can for play music too right. so you could like listen to music while you're having like a small impulse it, it, that you can feel a little bit but it's not very strong they did a demo with me and um 
it has to be a little bit wet. That was one thing that was like a bit strange because you usually wouldn't put earbuds in wet. <laughs> yeah. Um, they had like a little spray that you spray on it. You put it in and then they bring it up to where you can feel it and it just feels like a little buzzing. Yeah. The um, spray is just saline. So. And then they turn it down after like you feel it. So that it's like if you were using it for a while, like it wouldn't be unpleasant. When they turned it up too high, it was unpleasant. It felt mm. like you were getting, like, zapped in the air. <laughs> but it treats yeah. anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they have found, especially the, now I don't know that this product can do it, but in general, they have found, for instance, like, depression that is, you know, resistant to traditional treatment methods like medication has often been alleviated by products like this. They didn't make any claims like that. Um, I don't think it's like an FDA-approved medical device mm-hmm. type of thing. But, um, you know, I feel like all of us have, like, our moments of anxiety or stress mm-hmm. that could be alleviated by using this. That's so cool. I thought it was cool. All right, we have a, a handful of products to get through still. Uh, the Incipio Organicore is our next award. David chose this one. Yeah, I chose it because, like we talked about, there have not been a lot of uh, innovations and cases this year. And this was one that was pretty cool. It was uh, made of com- compostable material. And so it would biodegrade, I think it's like in soil in six months or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was made by Incipio, so it was still a pretty high quality case. It had six foot drop protection. Uh, it was relatively thin. It still looked great. Uh, and so it was a nice all around case that also you can feel good. It is a, more, a little more sustainable than your traditional case. And I thought that was cool. This is actually, I meant to mention this in the trends section. We actually saw quite a few biodegradable cases it's at the true. show it's this true. year, which I thought was really cool that products, that these product companies are putting some attention on being more sustainable, considering that uh, electronics in general are not very sustainable. So yeah. I was glad to see that. Uh, UAG also had a nice one. Yeah. We also saw a backpack made out of recycled water bottles. Mm, yeah, that was cool. Post-consumer, I made sure to ask. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, next we have the Donzi Award. The, uh, my favorite. <laughs> you just People, shared yeah, your Oh, man. Uh, Donzi may or may not be my nickname at the office. Um, <laughs> so I chose the DJI, DJI Mavic Mini. This is a consumer drone, which is really uh, fun to fly. I went and demoed it. Everyone's smiling and making fun of me because <laughs> I was so excited about this drone. It is one of the cheaper drones from DJI. They have, um, in general, like you're going to pay, and this one was under $400. Um, it has a really nice camera in it, so you can get awesome video footage, aerial footage, and it's really fun to fly. It actually is takes more skill than you would imagine, though. It's very stable. Yes. But really what you want to do, especially if you're getting video footage, is to be moving really slowly and have more of like almost a dolly effect with what you're trying to do. And that was definitely would take, would be an art to master. My dad has one of the more expensive ones that he loves and uh, got some awesome footage of Ragbri, the biking event in Iowa every year. Um, But yeah, they're going to send me one to test out for a month. And so I'm hoping to (laughs) to master it. The, the reason why we, we're all smirking a little bit and why we made Donna make this her, her Donzi Award <laughs> is because she's underselling how much she loves drones. Because, I mean, how many years have you and I come to Vegas together? I mean, it's, I think I've been like five times. This is at least yeah. your fifth one. And every single year, Donna drags me to the drone section and we spend like an hour as Donna just stares longingly at these drones. <laughs> and so this year, we finally managed to convince her to give them an award because she yeah. just loves them so much. And she's going to get to test them. Yeah. Oh, another cool thing about it, just to explain how it works with the phone, <laughs> is that you have the like remote thing to control it. Your phone slides into there, and so you can see what the drone is seeing while you're flying it. Yes. That's cool. It's really cool. It's a cool experience. Thanks, guys. Maybe I'll even like see if you'll let me try it when you get the review unit. Yeah. We can go out flying together. <laughs> Okay, Audio-Technica is the next company we wanted to give an award to, and this was really all around. Like We all yeah. loved this product. It was their WP900s, their new headphones. I think the thing that stood out to me about these headphones is they were very much, Audio-Technica in general, their headphones were kind of in contrast with the trend of the industry, which is to go towards wireless, to go towards Bluetooth, go towards a little mini ear, ear pods, and they did have those, but this one was a traditional wired over-ear headphone. 
and it was beautiful it sounded great it was for people who really appreciated music and they wanted to hear it how the artist intended no <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and yeah they did say that line someone yeah. they did okay yeah. uh, everyone did though. so uh, the thing that they part of what was beautiful is they like they used really high quality woods in all of their headphones which was something i hadn't really seen a lot of people go out of their way to do and this was a wood that was very unique and they imported it from japan um like why, hand carved yeah they yeah. got me in all these little details why did you guys like it <laughs> it, it seems like yeah there's this is like uh these are, this is a high-end pair of headphones for audiophiles yeah it's really for like a it's for a listening experience it's not for like running around doing errands there's different use cases for different types of headphones i think and we experienced a lot of like bluetooth headphones mm -hmm. like for on the go yeah yeah, yeah. By the way, these were $650. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked them because they were really comfortable and really sounded comfortable. incredible. Um, I mean, I think Sarah and I both have some issues with over-ear headphones. Like, we really care if they were comfortable. For me, I get headaches really easily, so I have to wear something that is going to be comfortable for a long period of time. Again, we didn't get to test it for that long, but wearing it, it just felt also like I was in a room listening to music. It didn't feel like you're being like closed out, which I don't like that feeling either. Um, and so I don't know exactly how they do that. but I'm, I'm pretty sure I said these were over ear, but these are actually open ear. And open ear headphones are what create that sound because they don't put the sound right up next to your ear. There's actually like they don't have a complete seal usually. And yeah. so it allows you to feel more like you're listening to music in a room. And I love that feeling too. It's, a, it's more comfortable. They're, they had like $1,200 headphones too that they let us listen to. We didn't choose these one. We didn't want to choose something that like no one can afford. And also... Uh, I actually liked the look of the ones we chose a lot better, and their their newest one. I think the other ones have been out for a year, but the other ones, it's like they the over your head ones were enormous, but they had a lot more open space on yeah. the back of them, and it felt even more like you were just hanging out in a room listening to amazing music. Yeah. Instead of being having being like shut in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So okay, those were awesome. Our last product is the David Award. Oh man. Okay, so the My Charge. The My Charge, uh, and. The reason why we didn't give this a traditional one, to be honest, it was that the people who were presenting it to us and telling us about it were really over their top in their presentation to the point where they're just making these huge claims and we're kind of obnoxious about it all. Apparently every rapper out there owns this. Yeah, every rapper owns the My Charge. Every influencer. And the influencers, in case you didn't know. But it was actually a cool product and I'd been looking for it. So here's what I like about it. Um, it was a battery... Uh, it was like a portable battery, but what it had, and I had not seen a lot of people do this, if anybody, is first of all had the plug built in, uh, and it had the, um, the lightning cable built in, and so you didn't have to carry other things. Because what I hate about the battery packs is when I take a battery pack on the go, I have to, usually, I have to bring like a USB charger to charge the battery pack, and then I need to bring a lightning adapter when I want to charge it so that I can charge from the battery pack to my lightning adapter. I have to put all that in my pocket. This kind of solves all that. Like I don't need to bring an adapter with me when I'm traveling other than this because it can be used as an adapter to charge my phone at night while simultaneously charging the battery. It also was rapid charge, which I really liked because having a portable battery that's rapid charge is something that is really nice and I hadn't seen. It also had USB-C. Yeah, it did. And that I had mixed feelings about because I don't have any Android products. So, like, it just felt like one more thing that they added that I wasn't going to use. Sure, but, but it but might be future-proofing, like yeah. My iPad Pro charges with USB-C, so. Yeah, and if you happen to know someone who's an Android, I guess they would like that. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel really awesome, actually, when I can... Because I always have every kind of cable with me. <laughs> yeah. When so, and my partner is an Android user, and so when I can be like, "Don't worry, I got you," and I like, pull out the correct charger. So I think it was the all-in-one nature of this, and the rapid charge is something mm -hmm. I hadn't actually seen and had wanted, uh, despite the fact that the people presenting it to us were a little over the top. Those are all the products we are going to talk about today. We do have more winners and more we're going to choose today, so do check back next week. Go to iPhoneLife.com slash podcast. We'll have our blog post there, and we'll link to our full awards blog post that Sarah is putting together and, uh, and you know, of course, needing all these different parts in order to have that be ready to go. 
Um, but just to like throw out some of the other types of products we ha- we included, there's a smart lawnmower, lawn mowing device that was really cool. Uh, we have like for people who are wanting to go off the grid, these huge power station things, one that can like uh, jumpstart your car and also charge your electronics. A lot of different cool stuff coming your way when uh, you go to iPhoneLife.com. Smart blood sugar monitor that looked really cool. Yeah, non invasive. Yeah, non invasive. And a smart fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> Most importantly, Most smart importantly. fanny pack. Stay tuned. Are right, any parting thoughts, you guys? I'd love to hear from you all. Uh, let us know if there's anything, uh, CS products that you read about that you loved that we didn't include, and uh, what you think about our CS coverage in general, because we work hard on it and we want to make sure that this is kind of the information you guys want. So send us an email, podcast at iphonelife.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>